Great, huh? He died for us, and we get to live for him. I would take that trade any day of the week. You know, that's why I like coming to church. I think about all that he did for me and all that he went through for me. And sometimes, let's be honest, on Sunday mornings, we don't feel like coming, do we? Especially when you know who the preacher is. You're like, yeah, I don't feel like coming. don't feel like getting out of bed. Uh, man, this kind of weather just makes you want to go fishing, right? You're like, I could be at a whole lot better places. But then you realize all that he did for you and all that he went through. He said, well, the least I can do is go to his house and be around his people and be back in church. And boy, I tell you, I miss being here Wednesday. Uh, I hated that we had to cancel. I was praying about it all throughout the afternoon. That's why we didn't send the announcement out until late, uh, because I was hoping uh, against hope until the last moment that we wouldn't have to cancel. Uh, and as I was praying, I really did. On my phone, I got an alert from WDAM that said there were already trees down on the roads in Hattiesburg. And uh, I saw Dixie Baptist Church not too far down the road from here. Their steeple had collapsed. This was before we ever, uh, ever started thinking about coming to church on Wednesday. And so for the safety of our people, we canceled. But I still missed you. Uh, you may not have missed me, but I promise you, I missed you and I miss being here. I need to be here, especially on Wednesday night. People don't realize how much you need Wednesday night. You need that, that little bit of boost, that little bit of a pick-me-up, get your batteries recharged to go back out into the world on Thursday. But thanks be to God, we get to be here uh, even if the skies are Carolina blue. Amen, Brother Nate. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know where uh, in, his, uh, in his opening monologue that we were going to have the Carolina reference, but uh, Brother, Brother Nate's a uh, Carolina fan, and they have made it through to the next round. So, uh, hey, thank the Lord for that, right? Everything give thanks. Proverbs chapter number eight. Proverbs chapter number eight. Sometimes you just have to make a U-turn and get back to the spiritual stuff, right? Proverbs chapter 8, good to have you here with us this morning if you're visiting. Uh, we hope you feel welcome here. Hope you feel loved at Central Baptist Church, and I'm glad to have our people back, our, our members as well, and I see a lot of you that may have been out for a little while with sickness. Uh, good to see mom back there. Mom spent another uh, vacation day in the hospital this week. Glad to have her back. I try to tell her there's a whole lot better places to go on vacation than the hospital, uh, but evidently you folks at Forest General have a nice place up there. She likes visiting with you. Proverbs chapter number eight. Let's get to verse one. Let's stand together. Proverbs chapter number eight, verse one. Interesting backstory here. Wednesday, we invited Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn over to our house to uh, escape the dangers of the storm. He was kind of moving through their area. And uh, we sat on my couch and I gave them a preview of this message. So Brother Michael and Miss Evelyn already know these points I'm about to preach because I had outlined it early on Wednesday. So uh, if you hear him amening extra, it's because he knows exactly where to insert them, okay? Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 1. The Bible says, Doth not wisdom cry? Question mark. And understanding put forth her voice. She standeth in the top of the high places, by the way in the places of the paths. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, and at the coming in at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be of an understanding heart. I'm thankful for verse 5 because it shows there's hope for even fools. Amen. Verse 6, hear, for I will speak of excellent things. The opening of my lips shall be right things. For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing froward or perverse in them. Our key text this morning is verse 9. Watch closely. The Bible says, They are plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege to be back. Lord, I miss being in your house with your people. And Father, I'm thankful this morning you've given us, Lord, something to preach ever so clearly. Lord, you've laid a burden on our heart. Thank you for that, for being faithful to give us what you'd have us, Lord, to preach and how you'd have us to live. Lord, I pray you'd help me today. Help me, Lord, to receive this message. I pray for all that are here, whether lost or saved, they'll see, Father, there's something in here for them. And I pray that they would open their heart even now to receive and then to respond at the end of the service. Help us not to hear and be stirred and yet not to move. So I pray that, Lord, during the invitation time today, Lord, we'd act upon what you burden our hearts about. And I thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
I discovered this, uh, this past week, uh, you know, you kind of feel like after we're coming out of the worst of COVID and uh, things have thawed out and everybody's kind of getting back to a new normal in life. I don't know that the old normal will ever come back, but we're in a new normal. And uh, one of the things that I've gotten used to is to be able to go to the store and get things that I need. <clears throat> I haven't gone to the store lately and really missed out on anything that I wanted uh, to find. But the other day uh, when mom was in the hospital, drove through uh, Burger King. My dad is a Whopper guy and uh, I wanted to get him some supper, drove through Burger King. And as I got through the drive-thru, I'm sitting there waiting for them to, for the speaker to come on. And suddenly I hear someone hollering at me uh, out of the, the darkness. It was dark out there and somebody's hollering at me and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I thought I was going to get carjacked, to be honest with you. Uh, and I was packing. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay? So if you ever run up to me at night and start banging on my window, I can't tell you what's going to happen. My soul is saved, but my flesh is not. And I can still react in the flesh, okay? So I hear somebody hollering at me, and I crack my window to hear who's hollering. There's a guy standing behind the Burger King, and he says, we're closed. I said, man, I didn't tell him this. I'm thinking, it's only 8 o'clock. Why would you close? It's 8 o'clock. And uh, I said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were closed. I didn't know you closed this early. He says, well, we closed because we don't have any food. I'm like, well, that's a good reason to close right there. He says, well, well, really, we just don't have anybody to serve the food. That's why we're closed. And I realized that, my goodness, we're still living in a shortage of a lot of things. Last night on the way home from visiting, uh, my wife calls. She says, would you stop and pick up some craft, you know, those shells and cheese? Oh, there's nothing like some good shells and cheese. Went by Dollar General. They didn't have the craft brand. I had to go with the Clover Valley. And I hate to tell you, the Clover Valley is just not as good as the craft. You know, with that nice tinfoil bag of cheese that you squeeze on the top. Just wasn't quite as good. But we're still going through a shortage, aren't we? Uh, a lot of things. And thanks be to God, we're not shortage on gas. It's just we're shortage on money to pay for the gas, right? Uh, but we're still missing out on some things. But there's something I've noticed that even as supplies are on the decrease, there's actually something that is dramatically on the rise. There's something on the increase. And what that is this morning is answers. As we run low on things in our country and run out of things, I find people are starting to ask more questions. Where is this? Why is this happening? Why are we going through this? Why are we not able to get back to the normal? And people are asking questions on a level now that they've never asked before. We see things happening over in the Ukraine, and now Israel's getting involved in that uh, on the periphery of that situation there. People are beginning to ask questions. Hey, what's happening over there? Does this have to do with the end times? Questions in our world are abounding this morning. There's no shortage of questions. The problem this morning is we have a shortage of answers to all the questions that we have. Now, one good thing about adversity, adversity will make you ask questions. When you run low on your bank account and you swipe the debit card and it says declined, you start questioning your life choices, don't you? Why is there no money in there? All right? Uh, when your health is not good, maybe you're a little overweight, maybe you've been smoking or something, your health is not as good, and all of a sudden you go through a rough patch in your physical health, you start asking questions. Is there a reason that I have caused some of the things that I'm going through in my life? Adversity causes us to ask questions. Think about this this morning. When Joshua took God's army up against the little village or little city of Ai, and they were defeated, Joshua was distressed about that. Joshua says, we're going through this, this time of defeat. We've been defeated. And he was distressed about that. And you know what he did? He went to God and started asking questions. Adversity makes you ask questions. What did the prodigal son do? When he was living it up, spending all of his substance in the far country, we don't see him asking a lot of questions, do we? We see him having fun, living it up, partying with his friends, going wherever he liked, doing whatever he wanted to do. And he's having a ball. But we don't find any questions being asked. But then we find him in the hog slop and in the mire. He's sitting down there thinking about eating the husk of the corn that the pigs are eating. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have enough to eat and more? What happened? Adversity made him ask questions. By the way, I, I think you'd be foolish not to ask some questions if you go through adversity. It may not be your fault, but buddy, it wouldn't hurt to ask every once in a while, am I the reason I'm going through what I'm going through? So the good news is this morning, there's not a shortage of questions, but here's the problem. Too often, we need answers, but we don't know where to take our questions. 
And I, look, I appreciate people who ask for counsel. I appreciate people who look in the word of God for the right answers. But oftentimes, God's people are guilty of looking for the answers to our questions in all the wrong places. There's a story about a man. He was uh, pickled at the moment. And uh, he had had one too many and was walking down the street and lost his wallet. A few minutes later, a policeman comes around the corner and finds the man crawling on his hands and knees, looking around for something. The policeman says, can I help you? He says, yeah, I'm looking for something. He says, well, what are you looking for? He says, well, I lost my wallet. He says, where did you lose it? He says, well, I lost it two blocks ago. He says, well, why are you looking here? He said, well, this is the only street that has a street light on it. So I thought I'd look underneath where the street light was at. He's never going to find his wallet because he's looking in the wrong place. Can I tell you this morning, whether you're lost or saved, you're never going to find the answers to the questions that you have if you don't look in the right place. And here's the good news. There's answers to be had. God has all of the answers that we're looking for if we're willing to look in the right place. I counted these up this weekend and found a wonderful truth in the Word of God. 172 times in Scripture, the Bible says Jesus answered. That ought to make you smile. 172 times our Savior answered the tough questions. No matter what he was asked, he had an answer for them. No matter if their plan and their plot was to entrap him with their question, he always had the right answer. Now, can I tell you, he still has the right answers. 2022, we have more questions than we have answers, but God has the answers we're looking for. And if anybody ought to have the answers, it's God's people. But three Hebrew boys say, Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace if you don't back off and recant. They says, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you. We have our answer. We know what our answer is. Wouldn't you like to be like them? Wouldn't you like to be facing a cruel and, and, and world that hates you so much and a world that wants to persecute you, wouldn't you love to be able to look them in the eye and say, I'm not careful to answer. I not only know the right answer, I'm going to give you the right answer. Here's the problem, though. We don't have the answers. And how can we give the lost world the answers if we don't have them ourselves? The Bible shows us in Proverbs chapter 8, it gives us where answers await. And that's what we're going to preach on this morning. Where answers await. Now, folks, this is important. Look, number one, you need the answers for yourself and for your home. Mom and dad, your kids need a mom and dad who have the answers because they took the time to get in God's word and find them. Look, don't allow your kids to get the answers for commercials or sitcoms. Look, we can see it being lived out in the lives of our young people. There's an influence greater than their parents. And I fear this morning it's greater than their parents because the parents don't have the answer. And so we leave the cell phone and the iPad and the television to raise our children. And then we complain about why they turn out the way they turn out. It's because we never took the time to find where the answers were. God's got the answers in this book if we're just willing to find where answers awake. Now, that's for you. But wait a minute. You have friends, co-workers, schoolmates, maybe somebody even sitting beside you in the, in the church service this morning. They need answers. What does the Bible tell us in 1 Peter 3, 15? But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer. To give an answer. Hey, how can you give it if you ain't got it? You remember back when we used coins? We don't use coins much anymore, do we? I mean, look, no, no offense to panhandlers, okay? I, uh, you know, we pray for them, try to help them out when we can, but uh, if they don't start getting one of those swiper things, uh, they're not ever going to get any money because uh, nobody carries cash anymore, you know? You remember those things, though, when we used coins at the gas station, they had them. I think Skoll was the one who used to put them out. And what did it say? Need a penny, take a penny. Have a penny, give a penny. Some of you never figured that riddle out. You're like, what does this mean? And it just fried your brain every time you saw that. It meant if you need a penny, you notice it never was a quarter. Why? Because it'll always be empty because we're cheapskates. We take it whether we need it or not. You need a penny, take a penny. All right? Have a penny, give a penny. But if you don't have the penny, watch this deep Greek right here. I'm fixing to give you Bible college intellect. You ready? If you don't have the penny, you can't give the penny. If you don't have the answers, you can't give them either. Be ready always, the Bible says, to give an answer. So we need the answers this morning, and I believe with all of my heart. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1 through 9, 
shows us where the answers await. So let's jump into this if we could. Proverbs 8 shows us, watch in verse number 1, where the answers are. It shows us what we're looking for. Watch what verse 1 says. Doth not wisdom cry? The Bible's showing us in verse number 1 that the answer what we're looking for, listen, we're not necessarily looking for knowledge. What we're looking for is God's wisdom. What we need more than anything in 2022, listen, is not more intelligence. Look, I know some people, you know the Bible says knowledge puffeth up. Nothing wrong with knowledge as long as it's guided by God's wisdom. But oftentimes our knowledge becomes bigger than God's wisdom, and that's where we go down the road that causes destruction in our life. The Bible says in verse number one, it is wisdom that we're looking for. Now, what we need like we have never needed before in 2022 is God's wisdom. So watch this. Why is God's wisdom what we're looking for? Well, the Bible says in verse 2, she standeth in the top of the high, what? Places. By the way, in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates. You know what gates are? They are places. At the entry of the city. That's a place, once again. At the coming in at the doors. These are all places. Now watch this. The reason we need God's wisdom is because God's wisdom can meet us in any place that we're at. Don't miss this this morning. I looked it up just to make sure in verse number two where it says the high places. Oftentimes those high places are places of worship. This simply means elevated places. High, low, near, far, it doesn't matter where you're at. God's wisdom has an answer for you. That's why it says, doth not wisdom cry. So number one, watch this. Wisdom offers us the availability of the answers. Wisdom offers us the availability of the answers. I love this scripture when I began to really parse it out and to see that no matter where I'm at in my life, God has an answer for that. Have you ever been at the high places? Aren't those wonderful? Those high places in your life? Remember, maybe, hey, maybe you were the weight you wanted to be, you know? Maybe you had more hair than you do now. Oh, you're at those high places, you know? You had that high place in your job. I don't know what it is, but all of us have those high places. You know the Bible says God has wisdom even at the high places? You know the Bible says? Let he that standeth take heed that he fall. Even when you're in those high places, God says, I have wisdom when you're there. Don't worry. I have wisdom in the high places. Keep reading. What does it say? The Bible says, in the high places, by the way, in the places of the paths. Look that up. It means the low, common road. Hey, God's got wisdom for those of you who may be riding pretty high right now. God has wisdom for those of you that are riding that low, common road. No matter where you're at, God has answers available. What about you? But that excites me. Why? Sometimes I'm flying high. Sometimes I'm dragging in low. Thanks be to God. There's wisdom. Now, it's good to know that even though in 2022 we've entered uncharted territory, Look, watch close. We're at a place in America I'm not sure America has ever been. Did you hear what I said? We're in a place in America I don't think we've ever been before. But can I tell you, God has wisdom for this place. God has answers for this place. You say, God, I'm scared to death. I don't know what to do. Don't worry. The Bible says that wisdom cries and she standeth in the top of the high places and she's by the places of the path that God has answers for us right now. There's no reason for me to turn to the world to try to figure out what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to live, and how I'm supposed to raise my children, regardless of what Disney says. The Bible shows us what we should be doing, and it has answers if we're just willing this morning to find what God's made available. Hear me out. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call unto me, and I will answer thee when things are going good. Nope, didn't say it. Call unto me and I will answer thee when you really, really need help. You ever have those people who ask you for a favor and you're like, look, if you absolutely, positively, necessarily need help to move, it's usually to move. Call me. You know, it's like, hey, I'll be there if the situation warrants. I'm talking like you're getting your pregnant wife to load the refrigerator. Okay, then I'll come and help. But other than that, I'm not going to be there. 
No, God didn't put any caveats on his answers. He says, call unto me and I will answer thee. What does it go on to say? And show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So we know verse three. That's Jeremiah 33, three. Do you know the context of 33, three? Go back and read verse one and go back and read verse two. I'm gonna do it for you so you don't have to flip there, okay? Full service pastor. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison. What? Here's Jeremiah. He's in prison. And God tells him, call unto me and I will answer thee. You know why God told him to call. You got to hear this this morning. Our circumstances have no bearing on God's solutions. Okay? No matter what you're going through, what place you're at, whether you're riding high or whether you're crawling low, whether you're in the high places where everything is great or whether you're in the common places where things aren't going so well, God says, I have an answer for where you're at. Answers are available through what? Through wisdom. Now, I'm thankful this morning. There is no problem I'm going to go through that's above God's pay grade. I remember Brother Danny McNair's homegoing service. I told the story about one day I pulled up here in the parking lot and Brother John was stretching a chain link fence across the football field for Little League. I just pulled up, Brother Danny's walking across the corridor between the two buildings, Brother Heath right there by the school, and I rolled my window down, you know, I, I don't want to be a smart aleck or nothing, believe it or not. Brother Michael, don't laugh so loud, okay? I said, Brother Danny, can I ask you a question? He says, yes, sir. I said, they're stretching a chain link fence across our football field. And I'm just wondering how that's going to work out come football season. He looks out there, looks at the fence. Looks at, I didn't know they weren't concreting them in the ground. They just kind of put them there temporarily. He looks out there and he goes, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> he took a sip of coffee, walked, walked right on in the church building. <laughs> it's above my pay grade too. I'm thinking, this is going to be a fun football season. You know, a little more full contact. It's going to be exciting having to jump over that fence to get to the end zone. Aren't you glad this morning there's no problem we're going to face, no confusion we're going to have, doubts or fears that we're going to face, that God doesn't have an answer available? God says, high place, doesn't matter. I have an answer. Low place, I have an answer. Hey, doesn't matter how far out of the will of God you are, God has an answer. Think about Elijah. On Mount Carmel, Elijah faced off by himself against the 450 prophets of Baal. He was literally facing the world alone. What did Elijah do? He just curled up in the fetal position and began to cry and say, please don't hurt me. He prayed. He prayed. And oh, did God answer in grand fashion. He answered with a fireball. Now, can I ask you this morning, do you ever feel like it's just you against the world? Maybe it's at your workplace. You're the only Christian who's trying to do right and live right, or maybe there's some other Christians that are there, but they just really don't care anyway. And you feel like you're all alone. Can I tell you something? God's got an answer for the place to where you're all alone. Hey, don't worry about it. God's going to answer. God has wisdom for that. Think about Moses. Oh, my goodness. Moses leading a group of people around. I mean, Moses is a great example of a Baptist pastor. Leading a bunch of people around that sometimes feel like they need to complain more than, than anything else. Here comes old Moses. There's a Red Sea there. Oh, great. Oh, great. I'm sure at times he wanted to just jump in and drown. Man, they're grumping and complaining back there. And Moses come to a dead end. But you know God had an answer for that place. God had an answer for that place. Look, you ever feel like you're a dead end? You ever feel like you're spinning your wheels? You ever feel like you're not getting anything accomplished, not making any headway? I've been witnessing to this person. I've been inviting this person, and I'm just not getting anywhere. I feel like I've come to a dead end. Don't worry. God has answers at dead ends. Matter of fact, sometimes he wants to get you to a dead end so that you call out to him so that he can do what only God could do. I have one for most of you this morning. Oh, this is a good one. Matthew 17, there was a man who was having trouble with his son, with his child. I'm going to read scripture because scripture says it best. Lord, have mercy on my son for he is a lunatic. You're like, yeah, now. Now we've made it to my neck of the woods. You ever feel that way with your kids? Come to a place with your kids. Who are you? 
You're not my child. Something was swapped at the hospital. My kids are supposed to be beautiful, kind, and obedient, and you're the spawn of Satan. And you come to this place. I don't know what to do with them. My child is a lunatic. You ever feel like that? All the parents together said, amen, amen. God had an answer for that, Dad. Can I tell you something, Mom and Dad? God has an answer for you and your kids. He does. Look, you need to put down the magazines you're getting off the rack at Walmart on how to raise your kids. You need to quit going to Books A Million and getting the How to Raise Kids for Dummies. That's why we're raising dummies, because we're reading books on how to raise kids by dummies. All right? God has answers. God has answers. No matter what place you're at, God has answers. You come to the place where you hit a brick wall with your kids and you say, God, my kid's a lunatic. God says, I have answers for that place. Here's the problem. The word of God is often the last place that we ever look. First Kings 17, we find a widow. She was having financial trouble. She had one little bit of meal that she's going to cook up for her son. Her words were going to cook this, we're going to eat this, and then we're going to die. You ever felt like that your meal barrel was almost empty? God, the bank account's getting kind of shy. Gas is $5 a gallon. God, I'm looking at it. God, I'm watching it. I'm not sure how this is going to work. God had an answer. God had an answer. You get to that place to where you're lacking. God had an answer for who was lacking. That's why David said this in Psalms 40, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Do you know what a cry is doing? It's looking for answers. Now, here's, here's the sad thing. A lot of times we like to cry about our problems, but not cry out about our problems. Big, big difference. Look. There's no reason to sit over in the corner in the fetal position this morning crying about what's going on in our life. Why don't you cry about it to somebody who can do something about it? God's got an answer for the place that you're at. Why? Availability of answers comes through God's wisdom. David says, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Watch this. David was in a pit. A pit is a place that you can't get out of. Remember Joseph thrown into a pit. You ever feel like you're in a pit? God, I'm in this pit. God, I'm in this hole. I can't get out. It may be financial debt. It may be marital trouble. It may be trouble with your kids. You're in this pit. You can't seem to get out. Aren't you glad? Watch. God's wisdom can reach into your pit. It says he brought me out. Why? Because God has answers for all of the places. The availability of the answers come through God's wisdom. So here's the problem, though. We undervalue God's wisdom. We undervalue it. Why? We grew up in the Bible Belt. We had a Bible since we were born. We got that little pink or little blue Bible. I don't know what they're going to do now that kids don't know what they are when they're born. I guess it's going to have to be gray. We had these little Bibles when we were born. We have a Bible, uh, you know, we get our pictures at our baby dedications. We have one coming up real soon, getting some baby Bibles ordered for our kids, you know. And we have a Bible and we know it. And we say, you know, I've tried that. I've tried that. Mom and dad told me about that and I tried that. Can I tell you something unequivocally this morning? If you tried God and God didn't work, you didn't try God. Because God works. You may have tried religion, all right? And you may have tried the mechanics of spirituality, and you may have gone through the motions. You may have even got dunked in the water. But if you tried God and God didn't work, you didn't try God because God works. Oh, taste and see that the Lord might be good. No, taste and see the Lord is good. You taste it, you're going to like it. Why? Because God is good. And if you don't like it, you tried something other than God, Because God works when you try God. It's like the guy who found the lamp, the genie's lamp, in an antique store. Finds it, does what I would do. Look, I'm telling you, if I go next door to that antique store and I find a lamp, you better believe why nobody's looking. I'm going to rub it just in case. You know, help clean it up for the guy. That's what I'm doing, just cleaning it up for the guy. Genie pops out. Genie says, hey, it's 2022. We're running low on everything, okay? So I've only got three things left. Genie says, I've got wealth, wisdom, and beauty. Pick one. That's all you get. You don't get three wishes anymore. You know, recession and all of that. You only get to pick one. Wealth, wisdom, or beauty. The man thought to himself, I think I've heard this story before in the Bible. I'm going to choose wisdom. And so all of his friends stood there after he chose wisdom, waiting for something golden to come off of his lips, something wise that would impress all of them. And the first words that came out of his mouth were, I should have taken the money. 
We don't value wisdom. We value money. We value possessions, but we don't value wisdom. That's why we don't have answers. What did it say? Doth not wisdom cry? Wisdom's walking up and down the street, screaming out the answers. The answers, listen, we're not finding them, not because they're not there. It's because we don't want to hear them. Wisdom's crying out. Wisdom's available. The Bible says it's in all of these different places. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask. God says there's answers, but wait a minute. I want you to see something in verse 9. Let's get to our key part of this message today. The second thing I want you to see is the most important. Verse 9 says, they are all plain. They are all plain. Watch, not only is wisdom available, wisdom's plain. God's answers are plain. Now, I know what you're thinking right now. You look up that word plain, you know what it means? It means clear and in front of you. Now, I know what you're thinking because I know what I was thinking, and you probably have a cursed mind just like I do. If you weren't skeptical at point number one, you're skeptical at point number two. That God has the answers I'm looking for? Okay, I'll bite off on that one. But God says in verse number nine, they are all plain. And we're thinking to ourselves, if God has answers and they're very plain, then why do we live in such confusion still? Very, very good question. Well, it's because they're available, but possessing it comes through hard work. So how do you know? Number two, I want you to see the adversity to the answers. Verse number nine shows you the adversity you're going to have to go, to, go through to find the plain and clear answers. I want you to think about this. The extreme value of God's answers is no better illustrated than by how hard Satan fights you to find them. All right, let's take that slowly. You want to know how valuable God's answers and God's wisdom are? All right, now to us, it's not very valuable. All right, we're thinking, ah, I tried that Bible stuff before, it doesn't work. And for us, it's not very valuable. But can I prove to you how valuable God's wisdom and God's answers are? The way I prove it to you is by reminding you of how hard Satan fights you every time you try to get in this book to get answers. He would not be fighting you to keep you from something that was of little value. Nobody fights me to take out the garbage. They fight me to take out the garbage. Take it out now. No, she doesn't say that, but she likes it taken out. She has a nose, man. She, she can smell something the very bottom. I think the garbage should be taken out. I'm like, well, I just took it out 10 minutes ago. We'll take it out again. Nobody's jumping up and down to take out the garbage. Why? That's not a very valuable, exciting job. Nobody wants that. You think about it. The things that people fight over, those toasters on Black Friday after Thanksgiving, $5 for a toaster. They're fighting over what they think is valuable. And the reason the devil fights you every time you try to get in this book, it's because it's valuable and can change your life. Now, I'm going to show you. If you get anything, you've got to get point number two this morning. Look at verse nine. They are all plain. You want to know the will of God? You want to know the answers? You want to have wisdom? They're all plain. Wait a minute, he's not done. To him that understandeth. They are plain to him that understandeth. <laughs> now, here's what you're thinking. Here's what I was thinking. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm trying to understand something I don't understand. And the only way I can understand what I don't understand is to understand. I'm telling you, sitting on my back porch, you probably saw the smoke begin to billow out my ears. Wait a minute, God. God, you say there's answers. And you say the answers are all plain. But in order to have the answers, I've got to understand. No, God, that's why I'm calling out to you. I don't understand. And then you dig a little deeper. And I looked up that word, understandeth. Are you ready? Hang on, listen close. This will help you. Oh, this will help you if you'll just listen. The word understandeth, I want to show you the definition because I don't know that you'll believe me. The word understandeth this morning, I highlighted what I wanted you to see. To distinguish, to separate. To be separate and distinct. So I'm looking at this verse and I'm thinking, what on earth is he talking about? It's plain to them that do something separate and that separate. I still didn't understand it. So I just kept reading and reading and reading and finally it began to come clear. The reason God's answers aren't always plain and the picture's not always clear is there's other things 
in the picture that need to be separated from the picture in order for the picture to be plain. Now, folks, oftentimes, God's truths, listen, he says they're plain. All of them are plain. They're very easy to understand. But what happens is we let other things creep in that cloud our view of God's truth. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, A while back, maybe not long after we moved here, I was putting up a TV mount on the wall. You know, one of those where you can pull the TV out and turn it back and forth and get ready to mount it. And when I opened up the box for the mount was in, there was two of these. Brother Nate says, every dad's nightmare. There were two of these. And I got to looking at the thing, and I'm like, there's only four holes. Four holes. And there was, there was screws in every one of these. And I'm like, wait a minute. And then they get, I'm like, what on earth is that? I've never seen one of those before. I've been around construction all my life and never seen anything like that. I'm like, I just want to put the TV on the wall. Start looking at this, thinking, man, there's a long one, there's short ones, there's little beady ones, there's baby ones, and then you got these things. I'm not sure what they are, all these extra parts. So I decided I'm going to do what my manhood wouldn't want me to do. I'm going to read the instructions. I thought there's four holes in the bracket. Drill four holes in the wall. Put four screws in the four holes on the wall. Boom. We're done. I mean, I'm an American, not a American can't, all right? And figure things out. That's the way we do things here, or we used to. And I said, well, man, I don't know where to put all them other screws. So I began to read, and it says, some of you are going to have a drywall sheetrock, and you use this screw. Some of you are going to have wood, and you use this screw. Some of you are going to have masonry. You're going to use this screw, and if it's this far off the wall, then you're going to use this spacer, and if that far off the wall, you use this spacer. So I looked at our wall. Our wall was sheetrock. I realized I needed this screw, and one of the other spacers. And so watch what I did. All these other pieces, I didn't need anymore. And as soon as I separated all the extra pieces, I had the four that I needed, it got on the wall, the confusion was gone. Why? I removed all of the extra pieces that were confusing me. I'm like, what? I mean, I have a four-year college degree, and I'm thinking, I can't figure out how to get a TV to stick on the wall. Why? There was all these added pieces that I didn't need, and when I pulled out all of what I didn't need, I was left with what I did need, and it was super clear, and I understood what to do. Now, you see where we're going with this? What made it hard? I had a lot of extra stuff mixed in that needed to be separated, things that need to be pulled out. And when I pulled them out, the picture was clear. I want to give you some examples. The Bible says in verse number nine, they are plain to him that understandeth. Watch this. You want to know God's will? You want to find God's answers? You want to know God's wisdom? Have the guts to throw out what's causing the picture to be confusing. What are they? Well, I'll give you an example. Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse number 4, the Bible says God called him. We know the story, the burning bush. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says Moses answered. So instead of Moses just acting upon what God said, Moses says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know what you said. I know what you want me to go to, to, to Egypt and lead out your people, all right? I know what you said. I mean, how clear could God be? That's just as clear. But Moses says they're not going to believe me. Moses says, I'm not a great speaker. And Moses began adding his opinion to what God said, and suddenly everything's confusing. And until Moses pulled his opinion out of the equation, God's will was not going to be clear. And it took God a while to negotiate with Moses to get him to separate so that he could understand. Can I tell you why we're so confused in 2022? We're just like Moses. We want to add our opinion to what God said, and it's confused everything. Now, folks, listen to me. The Bible says love one another. I love folks that I disagree with, but you know why we're so confused on these genders today? We're adding our opinion to what God said. Go back to Genesis. He's pretty clear. He made a man and he made a woman. Pretty clear, isn't it? But wait a minute, what about the L and the G and the B and the T and the Q and the I and the J, K and the NMOP? All of the numbers that are added. Good night. Do you know the state of New York has 38 different genders? 38? That's confusing. 
Do you know why it's confusing? Because we've added a lot of our opinion and our ideas to what God said. God made it simple. Boy, girl, blue, pink. I mean, come on. It's a boy, it's a girl. I don't know what the balloon makers are going to do nowadays. It's. Maybe they give you a big dry erase marker to fill in, you know. Add what you like. Now, folks, I'm not being rude. I'm not being mean. Do you know why we have this confusion? you know why Disney World's so confused right now about what a guy and a girl is and transgender rights and all that? It's because they've deviated from what God said. God made it clear. God nailed it down. And it's just as clear as the nose on your face. But, man, why is it so confusing? It's because we have added a lot that we need to separate out. We've got to understand, in order to understand, you've got to separate 1 Corinthians 14, for God is not the author of confusion. Who's the author of confusion? It's us. We make things confusing. 2 Kings chapter 5, Naaman, what did the prophet say? Go down to Jordan, dip seven times, boom, there it is. I mean, how smart do you have to be? Go jump in the river seven times. Pretty simple. Oh my goodness. And old Naaman had to confuse things a little bit. You know what he said? Second Kings chapter 5, Naaman says, I thought. That's where we get in trouble. <laughs> My wife will be cooking something, and I'll come in and taste it. I'm like, boy, you know, it'd be good to add a little bit of, uh, you know, Tony's to it. She's probably already added Tony's to it. She's from Louisiana. We add a little Tony's to it, you know. Add a little garlic, salt. Next thing you know, man, you've added so much salt, you can't even eat it anymore. And you know why? I just, I thought it would taste good. And boy, that's where I messed up. Should have just stuck with the recipe. You see, when I had all of these, it was confusing to me. I didn't know what to do. I had all these pieces. I didn't know what I needed. But I went to the instructions. The instructions told me what I needed. And the instruction says, discard the rest. All right? Watch this. Instructions. It tells you what you need and discard the rest. That means our opinion sometimes. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way that seemeth right into a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Don't let your opinion cloud your obedience. When God tells you what to do, just do it. Don't start adding your, well, God, no, no, well, God, nothing. I thought nothing. Just do what he said. Don't let your, look, the reason that God's will, what does it say in verse 9? They are all plain to him that understandeth. If you're willing to separate your opinion from God's will, all of a sudden that focus starts to come in. Give you another one. Think about Eve in Genesis. Did God make his will clear? Absolutely. I mean, God spelled it out. I mean, like a third grader. All this is yours. Don't touch that one. I mean, come on. I mean, I know that I probably didn't have it figured out as a kid, and maybe your kids didn't have that figured out either. But hey, all this is yours. Don't touch that one. How simple could you be? So clear. But the Bible says this. The book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. She saw that the tree was a tree to be desired. Oh, no. That day would mess up God's clear picture and God's plain picture when you start inserting your desires over what God said. Eve had a clear picture. Hey, Eve, perfect world. You get to live here. Don't touch that. Fairly simple. But she's like, you know what? That is a tree to be desired. And suddenly her desires confused the clear, plain picture of God's will for her life. I was reading Matthew 26 this morning. I'm going to hurry. But stick with me, all right? We need this, folks. We need to find these answers so we can give these answers. Matthew 26, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said to his father, not my will, but thine be done. Not my will, but thine be done. I think you see a good picture there of Christ's humanity and his deity all at the same time. He was God and man. Don't ask me to explain it again, okay? I have that happen too many times throughout the course of a week. He was God, he was man, all put together, and we can ask him how it works when we get there, amen? Just make sure you're going, and then we can ask him together. So he's in the garden, and he says, not my will, but thine be done. Do you know what you're seeing right there? Human desire. Holy deity, not my will. Watch this. He had separated everything from his father's will, and his father's will was ever so clear to him. Not my will. No desires here. There's no room for desires in the will of God. It's God's will and God's will alone. The other day I went to the uh, refrigerator, uh, made Miley some birthday pancakes. She likes those pancakes with all that junk in them. You know, Oreos, sprinkles, M&Ms, all that. I'm a plain Jane 
pancake guy myself, but I made her those. And I said, Milo, you want some butter? He said, yeah. And I remember the last butter tub we had was, was blue. And so I go, I think it was parquet or something. I go to the door, open up the door, and I'm looking for the blue butter tub. Looking for the butter. My wife comes in and she says, what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for the butter. She says, it's right there. I said, no, it's not. Men, could I just help you a little bit? If she says it's right there, there's a good chance it's right there. All right? Save yourself the humiliation. Come up with a better excuse of why you're standing there looking in the refrigerator anyway. All right? I'm just looking at how nice this thing is. Maybe we need a 60-watt bulb back there in the back. So the little one we got. Sure enough, the butter was right there. But it was in a yellow tub. Do you know why I didn't see it? Because I was looking for a blue tub. As long as I was looking for a blue one, I wasn't going to see the yellow one. You see, I knew in my mind what I was looking for and what I wanted and what was in there was not what I wanted. It was totally different. Can I tell you why you can't find God's will that is plain, that is clear right there in front of you? Because what you want is crowding the picture. Get rid of it. Remember, what does understand mean? Separate. You've got to separate what you want, your opinion, your desires. Pull that out of the picture. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, there it is, God's will. It's amazing. It just appeared out of nowhere. No, it was there the whole time. You just had to get to the place where you're willing to chunk your desires, chunk your opinions, and the will of God becomes clear. Why? Because my Bible says they are plain to him that understandeth. Interesting story. Reynald III was a 14th century duke of what is now Belgium. He had a brother that was a little bit of a rival to him. His name was Edward. Edward wanted his throne. Listen, if your brother ever becomes king, don't be jealous, okay? Don't try to overthrow him, but Edward did. Edward said he wanted the throne of what would become Belgium one day, and so he had a revolt and overthrew his brother, but he couldn't kill him, all right? If you do overthrow your brother, don't kill him, all right? That's not, not nice. Don't kill him. Your mom will be sad. His brother was known for his enormous appetite. True story. So what, what, uh, what his brother did, Edward came along and built a room around his brother. True story. Built a room around his brother. But he made the door very narrow that he couldn't fit out. He told him this, if you can lose enough weight to get out that door, I'll give you your throne back. Every day his brother would have his chefs come to the door and put cakes and turkeys, I'm sure turkey legs, all of those things that kings ate back then. At that moment he had to decide what he was going to do. Did he want to get out of that door or do you want to eat that food? The story goes he never got out. He was a prisoner literally of his own desires. The answer of the doorway was there. And yet he would not get rid of his desires to get through to what he needed to. And I fear this morning many of us are trapped by the very same thing. You can't see God's will plain because you're trying to look at it through the lens of your desires. You're never going to see it. It's not going to be plain. It's not going to be clear to you. I could go on and on this morning, but we need to get to the last thing quickly. Romans chapter 1, we see a group of people who wanted things their way. We see the culture influencing them. You're going to have to chunk culture, desire. You're going to have to chunk opinion in order to find God's will. Now, before I give you the last point and we close, I want you to think about salvation this morning. The most important question you could ever answer is if you died right now, are you certain that you're going to heaven? Most important question you could ever answer. That's an answer you need. You better have that one answered before you check out of here. You need to know that if you died, you're going to heaven. Now, can I tell you what the Bible says? Well, verse 9 says, they are all plain. The way of salvation is very plain, very clear. It's very clear. It's very easy. And yet, can I ask you tonight or this morning, why are so many people confused? Why are so many people confused? Well, I want to get saved. It's just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to live a perfect life, and then i got to get baptized, and then i got to be good and do all of these things. No, no, no. Quit adding stuff to it. Look, that's parts that you don't need. He didn't say anything about adding, hey, you're going to need this, 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 and this. He says, no, it's a free gift. For by grace are you saved through faith. Look, not of yourselves. It's not of us. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing you need to add to it. The reason it's confusing is because you start adding stuff to it. Well, I got to be real good. Yeah, it's going to get confusing quick because we can't be good very long. 
Well, I got to get baptized, you know. Can I tell you something? Baptism doesn't save you. Quit adding stuff to it. You're making it confused. Well, I got to speak in tongues. No, he didn't say that. Come on, folks. For by grace are you saved. Pretty simple. But we confuse it when we add all this stuff. You see, that's what makes uh, having the right answer so hard. It's easy. It's a free gift that you accept. Now, finally, the Bible says they are plain. The adversity we have to get through is being willing to separate. You're going to have to fight to pull all those things out in order to see God's will plain. But look at the last part, and we're done. The Bible says they are all plain to him that understandeth and right to them that find knowledge. Now, this is amazing. The answers are in God's wisdom, all right? That's where the answers we're looking for are at. We may have to go through the adversity of pulling out everything that's clouding the picture. But notice the Bible says they're right to them that find knowledge. Finding right is not an accident. Finding the answers is not an accident. Notice it says to them that find knowledge. That means you're going to have to seek it. You've got to seek it. If you want to find a plain, clear picture, you've got to seek it. That's number three, the activity for the answers. The activity for the answers. What you're looking for is available. What you're looking for is available, but you've got to be willing to seek it in order that you might find it. What does the Bible say? Proverbs chapter 8, I love them that love me. They that seek me early shall find me. You find what you're looking for. What does the Bible say? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, the Beatitudes, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You're going to find what you're looking for. The answers are there, but you're going to have to seek them out. The answers await us, but you've got to find them. Hey, invitation time comes here in just a couple of minutes. Holy Spirit starts tugging at your heart. You've got a big old question mark. Holy Spirit says, hey, why don't you go down and talk to somebody? Why don't, you, why don't you give your Sunday school teacher a call? Why don't you call the pastor? Why don't you come down and let somebody take the Bible, how you can find, find some answers? We sit back, uh-uh. uh-uh I got to go, man. It's 12, 18. It's hard to believe, in it? Time flies when you're having fun. It's 12, 18. I got to get out of here. Okay, you can get out of here, but you're still going to have that question mark hole in your heart because you weren't willing to find the knowledge. You ever say this about somebody? They don't want help. You ever say that? They don't want help. Maybe your kids, maybe a friend. They don't want help. You know what I have found most of the time? People don't want help. They just don't want to hurt. They don't want help. They just don't want to hurt. You know why? In order to have help, you've got to go after it. God says, hey, there's answers. God says, hey, don't quit. Don't give up on me. Keep finding and fulfilling the will of God. Hey, you can do it. Why? I've got an answer for every place you're at. And if you don't have the answers, it's simply because you weren't willing to do the work to find the knowledge. So here's the message, very simple this morning. God has answers. They're available. But they're available to those that are willing to separate that you might understand, pull out all that other stuff. The Bible says to them that find knowledge. What do they find? The Bible says you find right. Wouldn't you love to find the right way this morning? I wish I could find the right way to raise my kids. Wish I could find the right way to be a good husband, to be a good wife. I wish I could find the right way to, to be a godly Christian. Hey, you can find what's right, but you got to be looking for it. It's not going to happen by accident. Hey, you know what else you can find? You can find the right way to heaven. You find it today if you're looking. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Now it's time to respond.